0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I Hate This Town. If this is your first listen, thanks for joining us. This week, we talk to our friend Shocks about Boston, Massachusetts. He gives us the lowdown on Boston sports fans, and then we spend the rest of the episode talking about what we really mean or what anyone really means when they say, let's grab a couple beers. Okay, maybe not the rest of the episode, but that's all you're getting out of me. You can follow Shox on Twitter at shocks that's s h o c k s and if you like the show remember to give us a follow there too at hate this town pod that's h a t e t h i s t o w n p o d all right let's get to it
1: I was going to say Boston. Boston has the unique distinction of being in the like Philly, Boston, New York, Pittsburgh unit of like horrible sports fans.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it,
3: <laughs> were you trying to formulate a defense there?
2: Well, I mean, and so that's like one of the things I, I know I was talking to you a little bit about it, but it's kind of that's frankly been one of the things that's kind of changed during the course of my lifetime. Like, there's always been rivalries, don't get me wrong. Like, there's always been, like, the Bruins and the Flyers back in the day, or, like, the Celtics and the Lakers, or, you know, whatever, you know. the. Uh, but it wasn't really until, really, like, the ascendancy of the Pats that you really got, like, the modern stereotype of the asshole Boston sports fan. You know, because, like, we sucked for, like, a really fucking long period of time. Like, pretty much from, like, when I was born in the late 80s until the Pats won their first Super Bowl. Like... No team from Boston won fucking anything, you know, and like the, you know, and like the Red Sox had their like, you know, their 86 year long fucking, you know, drought of World Series. And like, you know, the the year before I was born was, uh, you know, the 86 loss to, you know, the Mets where, the, you know, the ball went through his fucking legs. Like, you know, we, we were really fucking terrible for a really long time. So there wasn't as much of a chip on the shoulder, you know, like you could, you know, you could go to a no one wanted to go to a fucking Pats game. Like they like there was a big movement there for a while where uh Bob Kraft wanted to move the whole fucking team to Hartford just because like he was just like fucking sick of having it in Foxborough and just like thought maybe like Connecticut was desperate enough to like build him a stadium uh well, it's
1: a, that's the thing though is that like there is a very I mean like the Steelers the Steelers and the penguins disregarded I mean, like we are the home to the pirates, yeah, they've sucked.
3: Did you see what happened today to the Pirates? No. No. No, if any. I've been, been in DSA meetings ball, but... for like nine hours. I don't know what's going
1: on.
3: Yeah, I would like to commend you for getting on this Discord call after being on DSA Zoom calls for the last all day. <laughs> but
0: hey you've I been was, a, somebody... unstoppable forcing an immovable object all day come hang out with like, <laughs> three other drunk people and just like <laughs> fucking talk about some
3: dumb shit <laughs> so so somebody posted this on twitter and that's the only reason i saw it because as we discussed the pirates are terrible and i don't keep up with them unless i plan to buy eight dollar tickets and get drunk in the they're eight dollars uh, now you know, nosebleed seats but um i guess they were playing a game and some poor fucking schmuck on the pirates gets up to bat you know two strikes so two strikes two outs in the inning already pitcher throws guy swings the ball hits him right in the fucking nuts (laughs) and if you swing on a pitch that hits you that still counts as a strike so he's out the inning ends and he's just Fucking keeled over on home plate, and that's basically what the pirates are like all the time. Basically, for my entire life,
1: holy
0: shit! <laughs> just
3: a just a guy writhing around on home plate, holding his nuts, while
0: everyone else walks back to the dugout. Do you think? Do you think he was contractually obligated to make his death rattle an
3: art yeah, <laughs> so so. like keels over. A, a good argument for them to mic all the players. Yeah, up. Oh yeah.
1: My God. But I was gonna say there's there is like a certain there is a certain like i don't know it's not even a chip on the shoulder charm resilience to like a dedicated fan base that only fucking loses
2: well but see that's the thing is then what happens that fan base when you go from losing to winning all the fucking time yeah And i feel like and i think that that's kind of like how you ended up with the kind of the uh the the archetype of like in particular like the douchebag I feel like the Pats fans are the worst I'm also not like a football guy so like I mean I'm gonna say that anyway uh, and you know Bob Kraft is a piece of shit and uh, you know Tom Brady is also a piece of shit and is fucking weird and doesn't eat strawberries which is you know like its own fucking si- yeah I mean I don't know if you I don't know if that's something that like reaches its way into like you know the wider world but he like essentially doesn't believe in fun which like
1: makes well, that sense tracks.
2: yeah because i mean like he always reminds no, me of- I,
3: I knew i knew I, I used to run in high school and i ran on a team with a kid who was like, yeah you know like destined for greatness pro athlete and most of them are like he that has like that that like, like extremely well, you know, to be the best i have to not have any fun. yeah he has yeah. that extremely
1: like square jawed protestant thing where he's like my yeah. like my balls have to be backed up with cum permanently In order to (laughs) succeed. Well,
2: and he's also just like, like I just picture him sitting in his palatial mansion with Giselle and his kids and like whatever, just like they just put him in like an empty room when he's not playing (laughs) football. And he just sits there just like like smiling vaguely, just like staring at, I don't know, nothing in particular. Like a picture of his own face for however many months and during the off season. And then he goes to training camp. They just kind of, like, put him into storage. Like, he's just, like, he's just in a storage box, like, down around the corner at the U-Haul. And, like, he's that's that just where he is. that senator in Parks
1: and Rec who's, like... yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yep, Great that guy.
1: day. <laughs> what about the weather? Yeah,
3: that's why I found that video of him so disturbing. After he won the Super Bowl, and they like went out and had like a boat party. Yeah, and he was drunk, and he was like getting off, and he's drunk. And I was like, that's it's actually really
2: fucking weird to see him like like
3: that's that's disoriented and drunk. That's almost I, relatable. I Assume that like alcohol <laughs> wouldn't affect him. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like that's kind of like the way that you know you really saw it. Like I actually remember the first. Uh, I remember sitting in the car with my parents driving to some fucking place and, uh, listening to the radio and the news was on and it was like, Oh, well, uh, you know, our, our, quarterbacks hurt. He's out for the season, you know, Drew Bledsoe, uh, you know, the, the pride of the Patriots. And we got this new guy, Tom, Tom Brady, I don't know, whatever. Like, you know, the season's kind of a push at this point, he's not going to amount to very much anything. And we're just going to like, you know, hopefully we can rebuild and come back next year. And then he started winning. Uh, And then we won a Super Bowl And then we won a couple more And it was And then you kind of just started to like Watch that fan base build itself You know, where it went from being where like You couldn't give a fucking, you know, Pat's ticket away To, you know, them being sold out for like I don't know, 30 fucking years With like, you know, with season tickets and shit And then, you know, 2004, you know We broke like the, you know, the curse of the Bambino And then they like won the World Series Like another couple years And like so you just have this whole fan base of people who are used to being the underdogs and used to always losing who suddenly just like can't stop winning shit. And it fucks with your head. And so like everyone just becomes like absolutely fucking insufferable. We, we you know, not that we're not that anyone from Boston is known for being shy and retiring. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, like, you know, it just makes us into like it turned into this like juggernaut of just absolute like everyone just being the biggest fucking asshole all the time.
1: You shouldn't give Catholics success.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think really the, the the history of the Irish and Italians in this country has shown that, you know, frankly, we can't be trusted. Um, no, certainly not. You know, I mean, my, I'm, I'm my, also
1: Irish. Yeah, Catholic. I, mean, <laughs> I was raised Catholic.
2: Yeah, my, my grandfather was literally a red-haired Irish potato wholesaler uh, yeah. for like 40 years. Um, so, like, you know, I mean, he pretty much thought that, like, rice was some sort of, like, communist exactly. plot. Yeah, exotic um, food to, <laughs> to undermine him. <laughs> yeah, like it was like the inferior carbohydrate. Like you did not have rice in my fa- in my grandfather's household. It was like like the man like bought his own deep fryer just to like make his own French fries because like he was fucking dedicated to the art the skill and the craft of oh, yeah. uh, being a potato picker. And that's um,
1: that's that's admirable. Yeah, I mean, so you
2: know, that's the uh, <laughs> it's
1: where you get this Hardy bloodline. of yeah, just I mean, pale <laughs> oval headed oafs. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And uh <laughs> I'm talking about myself, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: this doesn't work nearly as well for the listeners who can't see the two other people on the zoo.
1: Just imagine <laughs> the I'm, whitest I am, I fucking a... people you've ever seen in your life. Put a yeah. hat on one of
3: them well, see, I am uh of of strong anglo bloodline, so we will have you know there are a lot of like intergenerational feuds between my people and.
2: I, I'm outnumbered right
1: now, yeah. is what I'm saying. I mean, all I'm saying is just <laughs> check under
2: your car the next time you, uh, go, you know, go to <laughs> the house. Um, yeah,
1: my Yeah, my, in, in a truly cruel twist of fate, my grandfather, um, who was like off-the-boat Irish, uh, he ended up being diagnosed with celiac disease in his later life. And so, I uh, mean, this is like the fucking, what, 60s, 70s? So my yeah. grandmother is making him these, like, just... Just like rock based food items <laughs> for him
3: to eat. God, that is a really cruel <laughs> well, thing. And here's the
1: cruelest thing was that it wasn't until like recently when with like you know, mass spectrometers and stuff, they were able to determine that the um, distilling process in whiskey removes enough of the wheat and rye for it to be suitable for celiacs. So my grandfather died drinking vodka, potato mm. vodka.
2: Well, I mean, at least there's that. I mean, that the the one contribution that, that the, uh, the, you know, the Polish people have given to this world is, you know, or hey, I listen, guess the Russians. Some, th-
1: there is some poor engineering that would disagree with <laughs> you. Uh, well, what I was going to say was... The, real like, insult the, like... to the
3: screen door fitters on those submarines. <laughs>
1: but what oh, I was going to say is, like, I feel like the, the, the like, rise of, the, the, like, rise of the, the Boston sports empire also kind of, at least in my consciousness, like, coincided with the rise of the, like, Boston gentrification machine. Like yeah. I swear to God, I didn't hear about Boston before, like the curse of the Bambino broke and the fucking Pat- like Patriots started winning all the time, and now it's like the most expensive city in America.
2: Yeah, I mean we're we're pretty much like behind like New York, the Bay Area, and maybe like like maybe Seattle at this point, but like other than that, I mean like uh, you know, I mean when I first moved to Boston, uh, in like two thousand and fuck six. Um, my apartment that was like fairly close to downtown was nine twenty five a month for a basement studio, uh, that included heat and hot water and like whatever the fuck now you'd be lucky for that to like get you one bedroom and like a four bedroom, you know, like, or something yeah. like that. Like, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, kind of like similar to like every city. I mean, you know, everyone kind of realized that like living in the city was good actually, uh, and like, it was funny because even when I first moved to Boston, like you know, because I grew up uh north of the city mostly. You know, I I was actually born in Southern California, um, and then like lived in Connecticut for a little bit. I w- I was from uh, the part of California that looks vaguely like New Hampshire, so it all kind of tracks. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I I mean, I grew up north of the city and uh, moved down in you know, uh, two thousand five, two thousand six, and. You know, even at that time, I thought that, you know, like a lot of things, even at that point, like a lot of more traditional things had kind of disappeared, like, you know, the kind of the combat zone downtown that used to be where all the strip clubs and, you know, adult video stores and shit, you know, kind of like Times Square. I mean, that had already mostly disappeared. Um, the Ratskeller, which is like, you know, like our equivalent of CBGBs like that had just been uh, around when I was in high school is like when that got bought up by BU. And I think it's turned into fucking dorms or something. Which is like you know a re I don't know that's a reoccurring theme. Better than a John Varvados. A what?
3: Better than a John Varvados, which is what CBGB's became. Oh, is that? oh yeah, the that's like right. fashion yeah. designer. Yeah, yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. It's about the same. I mean, as you like a, a reoccurring theme of like mo shit. I mean, and this will probably resonate with I think folks in Chicago, where like the University of Chicago buys up everything. But like you literally can't fucking piss on anything in Boston without hitting like a college, a hospital, or a church.
3: Um, well,
1: you've just described Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, yeah. Sorry that. Well, except with Pittsburgh, it's a it's a college, a hospital, or a church that's been turned into some other form of commercial. A desanctified church. Our entire yeah. our entire religious population died sometime around like
2: 1985. Uh, <laughs> well, probably a little bit later than that. And uh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you you do not actually have to hand it to Father Gagan. Uh, However, uh, I do actually I do know a guy who was uh, in his parish Growing up, uh, who thankfully did not Get assaulted, but uh, You know, that kind of, similarly that was also Like around the same time, I mean that You know, a lot of factors kind of Combined, because of course all that shit broke In the 90s Um, Yeah, that was the
1: mid-90s, right?
2: Yeah, and so that was like when the spotlight investigation broke And so like that also kind of Up until that point The Catholic Church was a fairly large actor uh, like just both in Massachusetts politics and, in, you know, in general. Um, and that pretty much torpedoed that shit. Like, you know, yeah. the, the church still wields some amount of power with kind of the older generations. But, you know, after all the church abuse scandals and the sheer number of priests and everything, I mean, they just they had to close a bunch of parishes just to like fucking make ends meet. Um, and uh, everyone stopped going to fucking mass. So like, you know, it just it pretty much killed the church here in like a generation.
1: Yeah, Uh, Maryland's Maryland's very similar. My family's from Baltimore, and like, like, do you ever see that Netflix show, The Keepers? No. Uh, It's about it's about like, well, it's about a nun that was murdered, um, but it's mostly about the like sex abuse scandal in Baltimore County. Yeah. Um the the priest that was at the center of it that was the priest at the church that my parents went to when I was born. Like my aunt went to the school where this nun taught, like, like when, when it broke in Baltimore, it was just like, who's not connected to it. Maryland is like the first Catholic state. It's so fucking like Baltimore's So fucking Catholic. It just basically like broke apart.
2: Yeah. Like a lot of
1: the historical community there.
2: It was the same thing. Cause I mean like the, the, the primary kind of, you know, um, yeah I would say like you know white ethnic groups like in you know Massachusetts generally or you know like you know the French Canadians, the Irish, and the Italians who are all you know large Catholic you know large Catholic communities I mean like my hometown growing up actually had two different Catholic parishes in a town of about uh sixteen thousand people because there was one for the French Canadians and one for the Irish and Italians um you know and then like you know you also have like you know the Portuguese you know you have a lot of you know a lot of other communities like that um And yeah, just it destroyed the church in, you know, about 10 years. Um, So I don't know. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh only recently had its like church
3: abuse scandal. Actually, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm fuzzy on the details, but it was only like a few years ago that like the big story broke. But the thing is, like our church community has been not dead is not the right word, but like. The joke I made about how all the churches are now other commercial businesses is just because like half the old people in Pittsburgh died off in like the nineties and no one replaced them because the city was dead. Yeah, and so now there's all these abandoned churches that have been turned into hookah bars, music venues, um,
1: back into brew churches. Houses, in the case of the altered churches, bar. yeah, d- different I, I churches. Friends, yeah. I friends, <laughs> yeah, I had friends.
3: I had friends who who rented an apartment that was just a sub-basement of a church that was, like, nine times out of ten empty and then occasionally would be used by, like, a, like, non um congregation. Like, there's just a, f- a there's just a ton of churches in the city that are just, like, empty yeah. or h- half-used or turned into other things.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, so weird. It's just kind of...
3: It's very weird. Yeah. There was a big hubbub because... There's this beautiful church, and at some point they bought it and turned it into a a brewery and, like, a brew house. Uh, And it's, like, expensive in there, but it's also pretty cool. I've been once. Uh, But there was, like, a big to-do because they took the altar and they just put a big fucking brew vat right there, (laughs) you know, where the cross would be.
2: And people were pissed.
3: This is
1: my blood, bitch.
2: Right? It's still there, though. (laughs) It's fine. It's Trappist. It's good. Like, don't worry yeah, about
3: you know. it. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> you're going to drink wine in church anyway. Why not make it like an overpriced Moscow mule and uh, some sort of IPA? Yeah. You know? the okay. back to church where
0: Jesus, where Jesus turned water into beer. What would have <laughs> happened? Been way how, cooler. Would the, how would the world have been different if he had turned water into beer instead?
1: Well, for the Irish, nothing would have changed.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know,
2: and everyone, all the apostles just would have been carrying around a little bit more water weight through the middle
1: half <laughs> of their lives. You know, really, uh... That's such so a fucking fat ball. <laughs> like.
0: Jesus just shows up, is throwing cores light around the party. He, he can it's only like, make, make it halfway
1: pants. up the fucking mountain But <laughs> the crowd's Like,
2: oh
3: no,
1: I'm take a break, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: is like Jesus pulling out a Pall Mall, just like fucking. <laughs> like,
1: oh, I gotta, just oh. can't.
2: Oh, I got right out. You know, it's. I played a little football in school, but uh, you know, it's been it's been years since then. You know, Nazarene Junior High. You know,
3: <laughs> I'm just. I mean, I'm just imagining like instead of the you know communion where they give you like the little shot glass of wine, they're just cracking up in like a king can and pouring that out into little cups for into you into solo
2: cups. There you
1: go.
3: Yeah, well, it's like it's like a it's like a beer pong level work yeah. into a solo <laughs>
0: cup and you have to do that. Having to learn how to measure out the right amount of beer into each solo cup so that you can make like a 32 pack like last, last, last for the whole for, congregation. For, yeah, for every every congregation. The average congregation needs 132 pack to complete communion. <laughs> it's like an elementary school Honestly, math all of the
3: biblical like um miracles would be way cooler if they involved uh beer water into beer multiplying the cases of beer instead of the loaves and the fishes like instead of no it's a much cooler book if you take that instead of
2: loaves account. and fishes it's just like chicken wings like you just like go with the full <laughs> go with the full frat aesthetic like you know, like
1: it's fish fries, it's fish fries and Coors Light.
2: Yeah, you're not
0: Jesus yeah, inventing we are, the we keg are in stand fish fries before he <laughs> fucks right off now. for that period of time. <laughs> like in between when he was like a teenager and thirty, he's just like leaves the world with the the the, beer, the keg stand for fifteen years and then comes back.
2: He's not converting people. He's just uh, he's just pledging them. Like, would you like to pl- yeah. <laughs> would you like to pledge to would Christianity? You like to p- <laughs> 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 oh, I have a great aunt whose aunt right. and her ears are probably burning right now. Nick,
3: I've got a, I've got a, a song to send you to insert here. Do you guys want to take a quick uh, bathroom break? To
2: yeah, sure. I've
1: got to read my Bible So my everlasting
3: soul can go
2: was weird for me learning how normal people drink
1: it's horrifying
2: (laughs) uh both in what they drink and also in how they drink it both of those are like fucking just absolutely like foreign concepts to me because like like it was weird and like I didn't really see it really until I because uh, until I enlisted and like I was just around like a lot of like fairly normal people and they were like like the first time I saw, like went to the bar with folks, and they were like, "All right, let's have a couple beers." And they literally just had two beers, and I was like, "I always, I always thought that was just like a, like a term of art. I just thought yeah. it was like, you know, it was it was a turn of phrase. Like, well, let's go have you know a couple beers, and like you really mean let's have like seven or eight, five or seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like whatever." Yeah. Let's go uh, to the
1: bar is what yeah. it, let's have a couple of beer means. Let's go to the bar. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is that my friend and I, we came up with a phrase, which was that like, if we literally just wanted to go have one or two beers, we would say, let's go have and beer. I
0: and back if we that. wanted,
1: yeah. and then like, otherwise they would just be like, Hey, do you want to go to the bar? Or, well, and also I guess it's worth clarifying in Pittsburgh because of how like weird and draconian the liquor laws were for so long, there are bars everywhere because yeah. you couldn't buy takeaway beer from a store until oh, okay. like five years ago um huh. so if you like, want to buy just, anything just in anything, pittsburgh real or fucked up. Pennsylvania. pennsylvania really because i yeah so can't you buy so, it from like a
2: state liquor store or something because i feel like i remember because the only time i've ever been arrested was in pennsylvania <laughs> um i went to uh the east coast oi fest back in like 2000 oh and, uh <laughs> 2007 or something like that with some of my with uh, my girl struts um uh, my friend Heggs, and like i think there was like some of the boston skins who were there too and Probably. uh i definitely pissed off the police department in the parking lot and then got hauled in and sent to county but one of the things i remember is that like just even just trying to buy like a 30 rack was like a fucking process cuz you couldn't just like buy a 30 rack cuz it was like as I remember, it was too much volume. You can yes. correct me if I'm wrong.
1: No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. There's a, there was a it's limit really dumb on shit. the volume of of alcohol that you could purchase one time. Yeah, basically, up until they passed the, the like the the slight the slight loosening of it, which honestly, I'm happy with it. It's a perfectly fine medium. You could only buy twelve packs, and anything more than a six pack, you had to buy at a beer distributor. And yeah. you could not buy a smaller quantity than a 12-pack. So if you wanted a six-pack, you had to go to a bar. And, and get bars like, it, could sell you takeaway.
2: Like off-license. Like to use like the, like no, the that European.
1: They, no, they literally were allowed to do it.
2: No, 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 no. But that, like that's, uh, that's like what if you buy. Because I think Ireland used to have the same shit. Um, because you buy like you buy the off-license. And so like you buy it. Like out of the store, and so it's like uh, you know, uh, you, you have it off the premises essentially,
1: yes, yeah, I yeah. Do. yes,
2: that is yeah. how that works,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then, and then, state or and then, liquor and wine are controlled by state. the state, and that's still the same today. They have state-run yeah. union stores, those are the only places you can buy liquor and most wines. yes. Yeah. Uh, now, nowadays, they've relaxed beer so you can buy. Basically any amount of beer in any quantity from just a regular beer store. And so yeah, basically up uh, which, until thank Christ. Yeah.
1: Basically up until this this thing loosened, there were bars just everywhere. You know, yeah. like you might have a bar per block in a neighborhood because that was the only place you could go get like one or two beers. So yeah. um, you know, this this neighborhood I live in now, this is the farthest I've ever lived from a bar in the almost 15 years i've lived here and i live a quarter mile from a bar
2: yeah (laughs)
1: like all of my all of my like all of my apartments and houses before this i lived across the street from a bar so anyway that was always our phrase was like oh okay well do you want to have and beer one two three beers i mean and any more than that the
3: bar thing we're going to the bar the bar thing is so prevalent that it expresses itself like in the architecture of Pittsburgh because people just turn the first floor of their houses into a bar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this a little bit house before bars. on previous episodes of the podcast, but just like random, like a row house or like plastic siding, just a normal house, just slap an AC unit above the door and throw like a Coors Light neon sign in the window and that and get get yourself a, a alcohol license and now the first floor of your house is a bar. See uh and there's like there's a fuck ton of them in the city and they've all had someone like
2: murdered in them at one point or another. Well, I mean, you got to have the murdering. I mean, it's, you, you know, it's... Well,
3: it's it's always the murdering and then half the time the murdering is done by like an off-duty cop. cop. They're all <laughs> oh, the, really sketchy the fuck you say.
2: or like
0: <laughs>
2: um yeah, I mean, so actually in in Boston, in particular, the situation is the opposite, and it is uh, both generally hard both to find a pa- what. Uh, and to be clear, this is not a racist term, "packy." I'm saying that because it is a term for a package store, uh, not a derisive term for someone who is <laughs> thank you at all from for clarifying you know, from, and from a, you know particular nation. I just want to be clear because. That has definitely got me some looks in the past, and is like something that I recognize that is not does not necessarily translate well uh, across jurisdictions. Um, but uh, essentially, what happened is is um, over the course of the 1800s into the 1900s, um, you know, obviously, you know what started off as a fairly WASPy state, you know, full of a lot of the original, you know, I, I say original, but. We all know the uh, full of like the you know the the English who came here and killed off the original inhabitants and became the quote unquote original inhabitants. Um, you know, gradually like the Irish came, you know, so like, you know, during the you know, the potato famine and then you know, through like the uh the later half of the eighteen hundreds. And this is also during the period where Boston expanded. So, you know, Boston started out as like essentially just like you know, just like a fucking spit of land into the harbor. And then over time, two things happened. First, uh we just knocked out we did a bunch of shit that you would never be able to get away with nowadays which is we destroyed a bunch of fucking wetlands and just essentially infilled it to create most of what is now today modern you know boston so for instance there's a shopping center called south bay it's called south bay because it used to be a bay it is no longer however it it, as a result there are you do get a bunch of fucking sinkholes in the parking lot every so often um (laughs) sinkholes boy well, oh, man, we can relate to you on that one, but
3: that's a story for another. Sinkles in Pittsburgh, that's a whole
2: episode. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is, you know, they started taking over uh, surrounding cities and towns. So, you know, Boston itself was fairly small, but it took over, like, uh, like, the neighborhood that I lived in for a long time was Dorchester. That technically used to be a different, you know, a different, uh, you know, um, municipality, and then it was gradually accreted to Boston over time. Similarly... Roxbury, Mattapan, Alston, Brighton—these are all places that used to be separate, and then gradually were subsumed into into Boston, and they're now neighborhoods. Um, all of this matters because, as more and more immigrants started coming to Boston, um, they started, you know, running for office and winning office, and you know, started to become the mayor and started to become, uh, you know, city councilors and like you know other shit like that. And so, as a result, while the English Protestant, uh, you know, settlers um, still controlled the state government. They took away liquor licenses from the city of Boston, so the city is not allowed to set its own liquor licenses because they were afraid that were that to happen, because the Irish were gradually gaining control of the city government, that there would be, you know, a fucking pub on every corner, and those goddamn guerrilla Irishmen were just gonna drink the city into like a new like you know fucking Sodom and Gomorrah. They um, might have been right though. I mean they might have been right but also like we never got to find out unfortunately. <laughs> That's um true. you know and I mean that would have eliminated the asshole Boston you know sports fan problem and we would have had a uh, we have an Irish Atlantis that would have fallen into the harbor. <laughs> um but so and so essentially because what started out is essentially like kind of a racist underpinning for that policy persists to this day because the state likes to have that kind of check on the the city because like for instance right now charlie baker is a republican he's the governor of the state uh marty walsh who's about to be the new uh secretary of labor is the mayor and so you know uh you know and he's a democrat and so obviously there's kind of like you know uh they don't get along so as a result every time like a restaurant goes up for sale the liquor license will go up for sale for like three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 separately because they're so hard to come by. um, And so, it, and that combined with the kind of the legacy of blue laws that also existed in Massachusetts for a long time, which really have only been relaxed in like the last 10 to 15 years, actually fuck longer now. Cause I'm old 20 years, um, you know, for a lot and really up until the time that I was like in middle school, you still couldn't buy beer. You could still could buy any booze on a Sunday. Uh, you know, you still like I mean, uh, all our bars still close at, you know, two AM at the latest. Uh liquor store sales stop at eleven. Um
3: which that's later than us. Our liquor stores close at like nine,
2: I think. Yeah. Well, so like, you know, and we don't have we don't have government run liquor stores. You know, there there are certain things like that that aren't but we also we don't sell beer and wine and like uh gas stations and shit which like you never you, you always hear all the fucking new york college students who come here who go to like bu and harvard and shit whine about that oh you can't you can't buy beer and the subway doesn't run all night fuck you i don't care um <laughs> we don't have a subway
1: <laughs> yeah well it's also like if
2: you don't like it like <laughs> we got we got one you could, we got you could have got, you could have gone to a uh you know a cooney a suny columbia nyu anywhere else you decide to come here you have to live by our rules like you know eat an entire bag do of the doorknobs like you know i so.
1: just gonna fucking start rolling up to oakland every year just like with a big sign that said you moved here yeah you came here yeah
3: you you made your bed you gotta lie in it <laughs> yeah you made this fucking Stop choice. Making
1: youtube videos about living in a two thousand dollar apartment yeah fucking asshole and you
2: know what i want to hear about i do not give a solid oh, shit God. about the that pizza <laughs> i don't care i don't care about how good the pizza is back home i don't care about how bad the pizza is here once again, just shut the fuck up. Uh, college just
1: like- students should be banned. I think that's, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to start a new like conservative regime where if you want to go to college, you cannot leave your hometown. Well, now, not- that being said, I never would have been able to move up here, uh, but probably for the best.
3: Yeah, this is real hypocritical coming from someone who's not a native MJ. <laughs>
1: Listen, I've lived here for now over half my li- well half of my life.
3: Yeah, no, it's extremely funny for me to call MJ that since you've actually lived in the city proper for probably twice as long as I
1: have. <laughs> I also, even though I was I technically born in, in the area, also. I mean, it's it's essentially it's the
2: it's the hard styling meme of uh, you know the right wing and then all of us being grumpy and it just canceling college students. Uh, yes. You know, oh, fuck we're em. just here. We're just here to cancel college students. I mean, I watched you know uh you know in preparation for trying to like uh be my most stereotypical self watched Good Will Hunting last night Uh, like I'm ready um you know I'm I'm engaged I'm here for this and really dunking on college students is where I want to be but uh (laughs) but yeah I mean so as a result you just end up with like really idiosyncratic in a different way you know there there aren't pubs everywhere there aren't bars everywhere and like You also just have to, I feel, develop a culture of being a more professional drinker because, like, even from like being underage, oh well, shit, it's like ten thirty. We better like you know force the one dude who can go buy beer to go buy more beer because we're going through to the clip and uh, you know all all the stores are about to close and you gotta like you know now it's easy because you you know there's fucking iPhones and whatever and uh, you know you can actually find the liquor store versus the old path of like having to sniff that shit out like find the one packy that was like actually open till eleven o'clock.
1: Yeah, we always had to, like, we always had to pull the, like, if nobody had a car or if it was after, like, the beer distributor closed. Because the beer distributor also closed at, like, 8. Yeah. (laughs) um, We would have to go to, like, it was, like, go to whatever restaurant where, like, one of us works where the manager is the sketchiest. Yeah. Because they'll sell you a 12-pack. But also, it's, like, at retail prices. So, like, a 12, like, a six-pack of Pabst back in when I was in college was like seven or eight bucks from a bar. I mean, and that was like 2007. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking money for something yeah. that costs like Yikes.
2: $5. Well, cause I remember cause our, our cheap beer here that, uh, got, uh, relaunched after uh, a bunch of locals bought the brand back from Pabst is, uh, Narragansett. Yes. Um, my friend and- is a big fan. Yeah, and so I remember for a long time, uh, my local liquor store, Liquorland, uh, it was six sixty six for a six-pack. Oh so, like, God. I would go there, and I would just, like, hey, uh, I'd have, like, my jar of change, uh, <laughs> being, like, you know, like, the shit bag that I was. And I would just, like, you know, just, like, they would open up a separate register for me, so I could, like, count, count out my out. change, you know, for, like, <laughs> you know, for my, like, six-pack. Uh, you know, that...
3: Shocks, have you ever had Iron City?
2: No. I, I it
3: tastes know, exactly. That's it's our...
1: exactly the same as Narragansett.
2: I was gonna. I
3: mean, yeah, they all. I mean, it's the way that all regional beers yeah. taste the same. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: like <laughs> that's ours. It's like, uh, what is it? Um, don't they have a skateboard company? Is not Iron City Skateboards a thing?
1: Maybe.
3: I honestly, I don't know. Right. It's the worst I feel like I bought
2: an iron. Shit about skateboarding, unfortunately. I feel like I bought an Iron City deck at one point, but I mean, I could also be making that up. It wouldn't surprise mm. me. It's
3: totally possible. To be honest.
2: I mean, who who um, fucking
3: knows? Okay, I got I got a question. Not to turn us away from beer slightly, <laughs> I will admit to not knowing because this is all, this always just becomes beer podcast. Um, I will admit to not actually knowing that much about Boston. So, can you give me like a working definition of what uh like Southie is? <laughs> Like the area and the person, because I, I only have heard it referenced, but I, I'm really in the dark here on
2: this. Well, one. so this goes to like the same period of time that, uh, you know, kind of Boston entered the public zeitgeist was the, the you know, we started winning championships. Uh, we started getting gentrified. The church got canceled. And also they started making movies about Boston every, like, fucking couple years. And so as Mark Wahlberg became famous, that was a real disaster for you guys. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he tried to become famous for beating the shit uh, out of a Vietnamese man and doing some hate crimes. Uh, But, you know, um, which I think I can, I don't... Don't think that's either libel or slander because I'm pretty sure that uh you know, I mean the, the his conviction record backs that up.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Yeah, wasn't I mean he was convicted? convicted.
3: That's for real.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was convicted and he tried to get
3: uh What is a
1: hate crime if not Boston persevering?
2: <laughs> Fuck. Oh no. Oh
3: <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh it's I'll, a low bland. I'll Lost myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Shocks, I really didn't intend for this to be an attack interview. No, I mean it's I mean
2: it's I mean, I don't know. I'm not like as like a as like a white dude from like the suburbs who moved to Boston, I am not the best person, definitely, to like talk about like what racial politics are like in the city. And like, I am not, I am, but I am also not gonna like try to apologize for like the definitely like tribal racist shit that has happened here over the years. I mean, the best way that I can really say it is that, uh, in a lot of ways, the racial dynamics of the city never really move past the kind of like us versus them shit that you kind of see between like the Irish and like African-Americans from like, even like the 1800s, like in a lot of ways, I don't
1: Pittsburgh's the same. This is one of the most segregated cities in America and it's 70% white.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, like we, like Boston's actually, the thing is the, the one thing that is a little frustrating to me is I feel like Boston, the actual city is becoming more and more diverse. And so, and you still hear a lot about, you know, folks doing racist shit, but a lot of times those are folks who are coming from outside the community who are coming into the community and it gets lumped in as Boston, even though like you're from like some fucking suburb, like an hour and a half out, um, which is like not to apologize for that. Cause it's still obviously reprehensible, but you know, the city in and of itself is becoming more and more diverse over time. And is like moving towards becoming a majority minority city, but because of like larger, um, you know, Asian populations uh, we have actually like one of the largest Vietnamese populations in the country. Um, you know, like, you know, a lot of Cambodians and like, you know, a lot of other folks. So, which is great. And like, it's, it's nice that that's a thing. It just, it's, it sucks when, you know, instead you get to see the dude who comes from like Duxbury or something in his fucking patch jersey sc- screaming slurs. Um, but speaking of screaming slurs, so South Boston, um, <laughs> Southeast. So I actually, I have a, I, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Cause I actually have, I have a lot of, uh, good friends, from Southie that I'd like made through like, you know, uh, going to shows back in the day. Um, and you know, the SPSC crew and, you know, like, uh, all the guys used to hang out at five, five, five. And, um, you know, I mean South Boston for a long time was just really like the poor white neighborhood of the city in a lot of ways. I mean, it was like the, you know, it was an area that stayed pretty cohesive through the seventies and the eighties, Uh, It was really fucking poor. I mean, there was, you know, the the old colony housing projects, um, you know, Columbia Point. There was like some of the poorest, uh, you know, kind of majority white housing projects in the country were in Boston and specifically in and around Southie. Um, And so you kind of had this mythology grow up where a lot of the folks who were more well-to-do moved to what was called the Irish Riviera, which is essentially the South Shore, like south of Boston, through Quincy, down through Weymouth, Hingham, Hull... Uh, you know, all the way down towards Plymouth. And those were all the folks who were kind of essentially got the money enough to move out. Um, everyone else was, you know, who couldn't was left behind. And so you kind of had this pocket of white poverty. And so because of, you know, the busing riots, you know, like of the 70s, you know, it gained a very, you know, a terrible fucking reputation, um, which was really unfortunate, you know, because like, I mean, there were certainly things about it, that, you know, was that, you know, it still had a very good sense of community. It was also one of the things that has really changed it was that it's around 2,000 real estate folks started to notice that South Boston is really fucking close to the center of the city. Um, And so what you've seen over the course of the past 20 years or so has been the overwhelming (sighs) gentrification of Southie. So like, you know, Southie used to be a very you know, very Irish, very, you know, uh, you know, fucked up, but family oriented, you know, like neighborhood that was predominantly white. Um, and that, you know, was, you know, like a lot of folks worked at like the Gillette factory. A lot of folks worked, you know, a lot of civil service jobs and everything, you know, a lot of fucking cops, a lot of fucking firefighters, you know, and also, uh, despite the propaganda that he tried to spell at the time, that he tried to, you know, circulate at the time, a lot of fucking drug addicts, like, you know, Whitey Bulger and his fucking folks, like, created a lot of fucking drug addicts in, in Southie too. I mean, that was, you know... And that was at a time when it wasn't as popularized as, like, maybe, like, the, you know, the opioid epidemic of today. And so, like, you didn't really... You know, you saw a lot of folks overdosing, but it was all kind of held fairly quiet, and you, it, it didn't really get popularized. And so there, there was kind of this this lack of acknowledgement that like, you know, the kind of community was eating itself from within. Um, and, you know, and like, once again, like I'm not from there and like I don't pretend to be. And so like, you know, and I know one of the reasons why I have friends from there is because like I I have never tried to pretend to be from there. And as you can imagine with all the movies and shit, there's more and more people who like like to try to take on that persona. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I hesitate a little bit to try to get too much into that because it is something that is very important to them. Uh, yeah. But with all that said, and as you know, as I mentioned previously, like in the last 20 years, it's just gotten incredibly gentrified. So now, you know, the old, uh, you know, kind of seaport district, what we would call it like the old South Boston waterfront is now like the new trendy neighborhood in the city, which is Fort point. It's like where Bill Belichick has a fucking condo. It's where they put the Institute of contemporary art, um it's like all like even when i first moved to the city it was all just like kind of like you know parking lots and shit it was like where everyone would like go to drop their car to then go work in the financial district or something and like now all of those it's all high-end condos it's all high-rises it's all uh you know boutique shopping and like fancy steakhouses and all sorts of shit and then what's, even what happened
1: to the historical population like where have they been pushed to
2: displaced i mean a lot of i mean you know kind of similar what you're talking about to with pittsburgh um a lot of the older folks either died or sold out because they could suddenly get you know a house i think i was you know i was posting something about this a few weeks ago but like you know a house that you bought for 20 grand in 1984 is probably now worth you know a million dollars you know, for yeah. like a triple decker. Uh, I mean, who
1: can so, and who can blame them? No, and like, like and like
2: that's not really like you know like I know there was a uh, Liberty Bell roast beef that used to be on uh on West Broadway. Um, you know, when that guy sold out, I mean, he had like you know the, the place was restaurant and a parking lot around it, so it was like you know essentially like a double or triple lot, and they they gave the guy like fucking like seven million dollars or some shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it was just like cool like i now don't have to work in a restaurant for you know through my retirement you know and like you can't be (laughs) upset about that uh yeah but it does mean that like the whole the whole population has gotten displaced because no one can afford to live there anymore so they either kind of follow the tracks of the people who came before and kind of move down the south shore as they can or they get pushed kind of further and further like you know to the outskirts of the city so to like you know the southern part of dorchester uh I mean, one of the big neighborhoods like where Mark Wahlberg and shit is from is uh, Savin Hill. And like that has gotten like massively fucking expensive. And there are people there are still a good number of people who are longtime residents who are living there. But it's gotten, you know, they're getting pushed and, you know, and like the the they're not handing it off. You know, people don't really grow up there anymore. And, like, you know, more and more of it is speculative real estate or uh, housing for young professionals and, like, other shit like that. Like, the bar scene is totally fucking different, even from what I remember, like, you know, going to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in, you know, 2003, you know, and it was all just, like, longtime residents, like, you know, pouring Bud Lights, like, into their, uh, you know, um, into their thermoses and shit. And nowadays it's, you know, like, folks who work at like digital marketing firms lining up outside of like, you know, the Lincoln on East Broadway and like There's... or West Broadway and like that sort of shit. That's
1: that, there. The, that is something that's so insane to me about Boston. And I must just assume that it's the location of it. So uh, my partner, my partner is um, a bioinformatician. What that means is that he does the like computer science and of biomedical engineering. Yeah. Um, and, and like biostats and, We've we've agreed that we don't want to move to Boston for several reasons, most of which is that we just can't afford it. Oh, yeah. Um, But like we he was looking for a new job and we were trying to figure out like, okay, should we move if we do where? And he was like, unfortunately, if we wanted to move to Boston, um, I could get a job tomorrow. Yeah, I could get five jobs tomorrow. Yep. There's just like and, and they all pay like insane money now. And again, like we. It's just not something we were interested in doing at the time. But, like, right. everybody is moving to Boston or fucking um, the, the Bay to yeah. do this work. It's crazy to me. Like, why yeah. why Boston?
2: Well, I mean, part of it was one of the things that uh, developed in the 80s and kind of on the the kind of first wave of, like, internet technology companies, like when you saw, like, uh, Lucent and, like, some of the other kind of, like, uh, you know, kind of early computing companies – they all set up on the 128 belt, which is the highway that kind of goes around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was so that, you know, all these office parks, I mean, they were all full of tech guys. And it we didn't it didn't never got quite at the level of like the Bay Area in like Silicon Valley. Um, but for a long time, it was like kind of like, you know, maybe not neck and neck, but it was pretty fucking close. And that legacy has kind of persisted, you know, part of it because. Um, you know, frankly, we just have all these colleges, and universities here, and so like as a result, like you know, it's really easy to just get grads, you know, literally just out the fucking, you know, um, out the college doors and just hire them, you know, and so you have, you know, like, uh, like I mean, even just physically, like the changes that have happened in Cambridge over the similarly, like over the course of the past twenty years. I mean, uh, MIT is MIT and various different tech companies are now essentially like all of East Cambridge. Um,
1: They've been doing that here too, where like you know. they started giving tech companies and robotics companies these big tax breaks because CMU is here, Carnegie Mellon University is here. Yeah, yep. And now, so our kind of it, it the it, the the time period when it was like a historically white working class neighborhood was long before I think Southie it changed over. But like Lawrenceville is our kind of historically like Irish working class riverfront mill neighborhood now yeah. it's like the most expensive fucking neighborhood in the city but like um they the waterfront area that was all just like old factories and mills and shit i was
3: literally just down there today yeah it's, it's all robotics, all
1: robotics. Yeah. it's just ro- it's just these huge buildings as far like, as the eye can see
3: it's really fucking weird too they've got like because they partner with like the army and shit there's like like army trucks down oh, always there. yeah and shit all the time. It's very
1: well, and Uber mm, is there too. Me, it's very
3: bizarre. Yeah. Uber's
1: there too. So you've got the kind of like weird coalescing of like all of their military contracts with Uber and the robotics and CMU and all this shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, like one of my uh, one of my really good friends is um, uh, an organizer for CWA for the Code Campaign, mm-hmm. um, and one of the reasons why he's why they hired him and why he's based out here is because there's you know there's a big Google office um Akamai which is like one of those companies that like you don't really hear about until you hear about that handles a lot of like web traffic and kind of other like behind the scenes like web shit they're based out of Boston uh you know Zipcar when they took off uh HubSpot um you know I mean like Sonos has an office here like you know they're just similar there's just you know like uh Apple has an office here for their Siri team um yeah. you know i mean like between you know because mit is right here and because harvard's right here and whatever i mean we just you know and all those universities i mean it's like it's bad enough when you just have the one university system but like when you have all these gigantic universities around they all you know kind of they all gobble up different parts of the city so like you know like harvard uh you know recently like bought up and demolished and redeveloped like a huge portion of lower alston that was traditionally like you know uh you know a working class, like, for a long time, like, predominantly Latino community. Um, And then also, like, a lot of student housing. Um, And they just, like, you know, so it's no longer low-cost student housing, it's, like, Harvard dorms. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. So, um, and, like, you know, and and it's interesting because you also see conversations happen in certain ways. So one of the things that really struck me that I remember hearing a few years ago was that uh, Southeast actually become whiter in the course of the last 10 years as it's gentrified because like even the few remaining like kind of minority communities that were around have been pushed out because of gentrification, but you don't hear as much about the, you know, the kind of racial dynamics because you know, mm-hmm. everyone there is like a richie yuppie now. And so yeah. like, it, it doesn't matter because it's a class thing. Like when there were a bunch of like, yeah. you know, like, you know uh, you know, poor white families, you know, then it was something where you'd like, you got a little bit more of the public, you know, public aspect of like the, you know, kind of racial segregation of Boston. But the minute that everyone there is white and they're all like, you know, bright, young professionals and, you know, the the redlining is a little bit less overt. Suddenly you don't get to hear about it anymore. You know, and right. like that was that's, something that's kind of stuck with me. So, like, I mean, that's kind of like what. I mean, that's one of the kind of darkly ironic things about the fact that, like, Southie in particular has reached so much of, like, the public consciousness in America through, like, you know, the fucking endless Whitey Bulger movies and, you know, every college, every dipshit college student watching the Boondock Saints and, like, whatever, is that, you know, actual Southie more and more is just disappearing. And it's just, you know, under a tidal wave of money. um, Which is unfortunate because, you know, I mean, like, there are so many more interesting things that could have happened to that neighborhood other than... Just you know, like building a bunch of fucking luxury condos on top of it.
1: Uh, it's it's rapidly emerging as a the theme of this podcast. Is that, yeah, Is that, yeah, I mean, I, is you know, that yeah. like everything I is ha- turning into the <laughs> same place? But instead of like it being interesting, everything is just getting like all cities are just getting more boring.
2: Yeah, I
3: mean, I was we we've talked about this, and if you wanted to, you know, make some sort of deep statement about you know the point of our podcast, which I don't think you should, but if you really wanted to bullshit about it. It's giving us I don't, way I don't too think much you credit. Should. I'm not advocating for that, but if uh any of you listeners in the future would like to do that, you can say that um this podcast, I hate this town, where we categorize all of the things that you, you know, dislike or like about the place that you live is a great way to preserve the differences between cities before they all become the same like prefab, million dollar condo, like tech uh, incubator city. You know what? I, you know what I will one. say
1: though? We will always have Buffalo. They will <laughs> never, they will never I don't succeed. Know sh- I don't know shit about Buffalo, Buffalo yeah. fucking rules. That, Buffalo is are favorite tell you. fucking town to go on tour. <laughs> do not move to Buffalo. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> don't fucking do it. That place rules and it will murder you if you ruin it. That's fair. Anyway.
2: I mean I went there once. The the wings <laughs> were good. I went to the falls.
1: Falls are nice. The fucking house show scene rips. Yeah. Like people are awesome. It's flat as hell. The fucking thrifting killer. Like Buffalo's great. There's good food. The people are nice ish.
2: Oh, see that's the that's a turn off <laughs> for me. Actually. I only need ish. That's
1: well, they're nice ish. They're ni- they're nice like Midwest nice. Like where they're like polite and yeah, they so, will like fix your house with their own hands, but they aren't going to be happy about it.
2: All right, I mean that's that. I, mean, I can that's that's fine. fair. I mean, there's <laughs> uh, I mean, I was, I mean, that's one of the things too. Like everyone, like always says, like everyone from Massachusetts is like really fucking unfriendly, and I mean we are in some ways, but <laughs> uh, like a lot of it has to do with like you know no one here like, no one here is really fake nice. Everyone here is just like doing their own shit, but then when you do end up like when you do make friends with someone from Massachusetts, it's like a lifetime fucking bond. Like that's like, that's the thing that like in particular moving here is, you know, and like with my family, like none, neither me or or my parents like originally lived here. And so like, it's been like a process of kind of, you know, learning to be accepted and trying to figure that out. And one of the things that it it is, is that, you know, there are are definitely people, it's not even that people be outright rude to you unless you're like very obviously a tourist because there's always the secret fear That you're somebody's like cousin, because like because every all the generations, everyone just lives around here for so fucking long. So like, you know, you don't want to talk shit while you're having dinner with your family about, you know, uh, city council or whatever the fuck, because like his brother is there, and he's gonna fucking hear you, and that and that that feud is gonna go down through fucking generations. Like, there, you you've just made an enemy for life. Yeah, like that, that. this is going to be a fucking blood feud. Yeah. But like, you know, uh, but you know, like then when you actually do make a friend or something, like I have like some of the people that I've met and like the friends that I've made, like these are people who like, will do fucking anything for you without ever really having to be asked. And well, this, like, you I know,
1: saw this on Twitter a, a while ago and it's that, um, somebody was trying to explain the difference between the West coast and the East coast. And they were saying that the East coast people are, um, kind, but not nice. And on the West coast, people are nice, but not kind yeah and it's, I ab- it is i absolutely so fucking true. Ca- i fucking
2: second that so hard like that's like wicked that's like why uh one of the last time not one of the last times but i was uh, one of my best friends lives in reno okay. and uh she and i drove out to the bay area one time to go visit some friends because I i literally just had never been to san francisco before so i was like whatever it's it's relatively close by, like, West Coast standards. I mean, like, on the East Coast, we would consider that a trip. Far uh, yeah. You know, but, like... <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, though, like, you know, if you talk to someone from Rhode Island, they'll tell you that, like, any distance they have to drive over a half an hour is a trip. Um this is true, too. But, uh... Grow up. <laughs> get a bigger, get a bigger state, Dick.
3: Uh, <laughs> grow up.
1: Move to Pittsburgh, where if you get have to cross, yourself. if you have to cross a bridge, even if that bridge is a quarter mile from your home, even if you could see the bridge from your bedroom window, you're like, oh God, it's so far. Yeah. Oh, well, God. that
3: that is true. My my grandfather lived his whole life in this city with a crippling fear of bridges, <laughs> but he was too stubborn to ever fucking move away. Uh. Just like torture himself. Every single day Of his existence He just
1: never went To a fucking football game
3: <laughs> Well no What he just What he did was Just live on the north side So he could oh, do Oh no uh, Even worse I, I mean yes I agree I but. Do, but I I have to ask, opinion opinion on the Dropkick Murphys? Um,
1: like, currently?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go...
3: I mean, I don't know, yeah. I, I just, like, it, in
1: general. It, it, it's, it, it
2: splits. I mean, like, you know...
1: That was actually one of the first shows I ever saw was Stiff Little Fingers and Dropkick Murphys.
2: One of the first shows that I ever saw when I was, like, in seventh or eighth grade was... Um, fuck, I can't remember the opening band now, but it was... Uh, there was an opening band, then it was Flogging Molly, right before they released their first album. And then it was the Drockett Murphys opening up for the Boss Tones at a hometown throwdown <laughs> show in Cambridge. Yeah.
0: Jesus Christ. Jesus. Uh,
2: <laughs> and that was, like, right when Al Barr just became the lead singer. So there were just all these old Boston skins there, just in their fucking flight jackets with their boots. And here I am, like, this, like, I was probably, like, maybe, like, 140 pounds soaking wet, just getting flung. <laughs> just like around the fucking venue because like there was just you know because like all these dudes were just like you know just like fucking muscle and fat and were just like just giant and like at the time they just seemed like fucking giants to me um i mean nowadays like i wouldn't go see him anymore i mean pretty much like once they became popular once they became like a shitty bro band i mean they're kind of like at this point they're kind of like the celtic punk version of like sublime like you know they just like yeah you know, they're, like, what every, like, dipshit college student listens to. They're, like, what every, like, you know, asshole, like, college bro who, like, is living in an expensive condo in Southie but wants to pretend that he's there in the bad old days. Like, that's what he listens to before he, like, goes and, like, you know, uh tries to fight some—yeah, you know, whatever. Like, it's not, like, really as much of a thing anymore. But, I mean, back I mean, in when the— I was, like-
1: 14, it was the coolest fucking thing I'd ever heard in my life.
2: Well, and yeah, because also at I'm that time... I'm 33
1: now. Yeah. So no, I mean, yeah. It sucks.
2: Yeah, same. Like, I'm, I'm about to... I turn 34 next month. Uh,
1: I turn 33 next month. I'll just say I'm 33 because yeah. it's easier.
2: And so, like, similarly, like... Just get it over with, MJ. When I, when I was in high school and, like, when I was in middle school, I mean, that was the coolest shit because it also didn't exist before. Like, the whole weird Celtic punk genre that has, like, really come up now, like, wasn't as much of a thing at that point yet. And so, Shocks, like,
1: when's your birthday
2: uh april april 10th april 21st oh is, look at it. everyone as like, good as an aries uh i'm
1: a Taurus. i'm like oh right boy. on the cutoff
2: oh pff. see i'm a i'm a yeah. capricorn but i already know i'm like yeah but that's why i like disliked. drinking
1: and cooking all the time
2: i don't know what any of these things mean but i mean you know i just like i like that i'm i like I'm to participate gay, in the-
1: so i have to
2: Oh, is that what that is? Is it like it's down? It's
1: mandatory.
2: It's on the checklist. <laughs> my only it's on the introductory
1: checklist. Only... I went to my doctor and I said, I'm trans. Give me testosterone. Also, I'm a faggot. And they went, Well, you're going to have to learn this shit.
0: They like, signed me up for three different astrology apps on the spot. They wouldn't let me leave. They put
1: CoStar on my phone. They handed me the testosterone. <laughs> they said, Be on your way, boy. The the, doc, the doctor walks
2: out, and astrologist comes in and like starts to do a fucking reading. Like,
1: like, listen, you're gonna either have to learn how to do astrology. Or you're gonna have to learn how to drive. You can only have one of the two.
2: <laughs> MJ
1: MJ, in order to get this
3: testosterone, I'm gonna need to know the exact time and date, of the <laughs> <time>. and location, <laughs> and location. That's right. Text your mom right. The now. only thing. The only thing I know about astrology, right, is that like I somebody at some point did my star chart or whatever for me, and I'm like, I don't know what the proper terminology is. Double Gemini. I'm like born in June, and I'm also like Gemini rising or something. And anytime I tell that to someone who knows shit about astrology, they get really mad at me. (laughs) They look very upset when I tell them this. So I've learned to just stay the fuck away from it. Obviously, how
2: very Gemini uh, I do. I found that my. My uh, my own reputation isn't uh always great and uh, I can't imagine being an Aries is gonna do me any favors either. So I mean, you know, kinda I did have I had a friend of mine once an undergrad who uh did me a tarot card reading and uh the consensus opinion after she read the cards was that I was fucked. Uh and frankly the <laughs> next ten years really bore that out. Uh God, so, I you had know. this
3: happen to me. I I had someone do a tarot card reading for me and like it was all bad, and then most of it came true. So I'm not doing that shit again, <laughs> right? Like, is that least,
1: like is that like one of they those, were like, like they were like, this, is, this chemical is known to cause cancer to the state of California. So if you just don't go to California, you'll be fine.
3: <laughs> well, okay, if somebody draws a card and they're like, "You have major changes coming in your life," and then five months later you drop out of college, like I don't know, I'm not going back and drawing another card. I'm good. May- I'm gonna stick it with what I mean got you at this weren't point.
0: Weren't gonna drop out of college before.
3: I listen. I'm blaming it on the cards and not any of my other personal choices. It's, it's got nothing to do with my
1: own personal failings. It makes me think of, uh, what
2: was the name of that C6 Steve album? Uh, I started out with nothing and I still got most of it left. Nice. <laughs> That's right. Nice. That Mitch
1: Hedberg joke, I, I used to do drugs, I still do, but I used to too. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. Yeah. Speaking about things that used to be funny and are now dead. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god.
3: This is not a nice joke to make about Mitch Hedberg.
2: <laughs> I just want to say that uh, the uh the two people who were the uh, most upset about the Mitch Hedberg joke are also the two dudes on this with the longest hair, or the longest apparent hair. <laughs> so I just wanna <laughs> just feel like it might have just hit a little too close to home for you fellas. Uh, that's
3: very possibly true. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just throwing
2: the, I'm just throwing that one out there. I think you know thoughts protest too much. Uh, I think now that now that
3: uh, Shox has pointed out, I I have the longest hair on this podcast. That's I do. true. Out of you do. Of I, I do not. Wow.
0: <laughs> Shocks the, shiniest the head. no hair contingent.
3: Yeah. I gotta say, I think a really good bit for this podcast in entirely audio medium is to uh, just roast each other on what we look
1: like. <laughs>
0: that, would on be camera. Pretty, that would be pretty good. <laughs> just a just a diss just a diss track episode.
1: Yeah. I'm a fucking font of jokes because <laughs> I'm on i I'm on fucking HRT, I'm on testosterone, so I'm going through puberty. I'm a fucking teenage boy at <laughs> 33, so I'm horny all the time, and I've got acne.
2: I mean, we all is
3: the beanie a manifestation of that as no, well? No, that's
1: mostly a manifestation of the fact that my hair looks like shit.
3: <laughs> I mean, if I know that, that's fine. I show up to every recording and my hair looks like shit. That's true.
2: <laughs> May I suggest shaving your head? Thank you. No.
3: I did that. Shocks! You actually missed that period of me. I, I already went through the whole shave my head period, and I will go through it again as soon as I finish losing the rest of this. So I mean, my my hairlines <laughs> just receded. Just give me another year. Mine's receded
2: from like here to there in the course of like the last like you know ten years. So, you know, we'll we'll see how she goes. I mean, yeah. it was. Uh, I
1: just I just, just I had like really great I had really great long hair, and then it was orange, and I had to get a job, and I cut it all off, and it looks like shit now. So. It's hat until it all goes into a ponytail.
2: So the we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut like half of this. <laughs> so you you went away from the orange hair and you just got an orange hat. It was uh, yeah. There we
1: go. Well, it. now you can see me when I'm when like if you have a rifle to hunt yeah, when, one of the deer in out my hunting. backyard, you can see me. Do you often have that problem? Do you do
2: you, do you get shot at on a
3: regular we basis? Have city
1: deer. <laughs> I do get shot at on a regular basis, but I'm always hanging around deer.
3: Hmm. We we have city deer here. Does Boston have city deer? No,
2: we do not have city. We have city turkeys.
0: They've actually started marking. Uh, turkey city turkeys too. on recreational <laughs> hunting maps that they sell <laughs> at like all the gun stores in the area because it's like such a common place for game to end up when you're chasing it. Well,
1: actually, I do. Di- I, I I I live a block away from Allegheny Cemetery. It's huge. It's one yeah. of the biggest parks in the city, and um. When I can't sleep, like, when I have insomnia, I'll just, like, go sit on the back back deck. And between the hours of, like, 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., the back alley behind my house towards the cemetery is, like, a deer freeway. It is yeah. just fucking yeah, shit have deer. And, and turkeys fucking, like, when the crows are migrating and shit. It's crazy. There's just all kinds of wildlife.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're so... I mean Massachusetts, particularly eastern Massachusetts, is so built up that we don't really have like a lot of wildlife, really. Like and like and actually, what a unique thing about Massachusetts is could be could fucking dirty that no one's really going to give a shit about. But uh, we don't really have county government. Like the 361 cities and towns in Massachusetts encompass the entirety of the land area, so we don't have any unincorporated land, unlike other states. Uh, so you know, like,
1: Allegheny County is the same way. Yeah. Allegheny County doesn't have any unincorporated land. I learned this recently. Like we have, we have townships, and all of the unincorporated territory is technically uh, under the jurisdiction of the townships.
2: Yeah, we don't have it. We don't have any. So, like, we do have certain states, like out like Western Mass, that are so small that they have like a volunteer fire department and like essentially rely on the state police for like you know law enforcement and shit. But like, there is no unincorporated land in Massachusetts, so we effectively don't have county government. We we have like like county sheriffs uh who act as like, you know, COs and we have county prisons, but we don't otherwise and like district attorneys. But like beyond like the you know, beyond the carceral state, we don't have uh county government at all. Because how does that work
1: in terms of like like school boards and stuff?
2: Uh every school, every city and town has its own school committee. Um Except, and then, you know, there are some that will have regional schools, but that's, like, negotiated on a town-by-town basis. So, they'll, like, form a compact, and they'll, like, tax based on that, and they'll, like, pass bond issues based on that. But we don't have, like, county school districts. Um, So, we'll have regional schools, but we don't have county schools.
0: So, is it just um, more, like, streamlined through the actual, like, state, just directly through the state rather than, like, state distributions to counties and stuff like that? It's just... All of that I mean, animal.
2: somewhat because we don't have that middle step, Yeah. but I mean, I don't think you would call anything about, uh, <laughs> Massachusetts, Massachusetts government, uh, streamlined, <laughs> uh, you know, we, I mean like, you know, my, my parents, I mean, because both my parents are not from here and like, even though I like, grew up here, they, they kind of always had like an outsider's perspective. And like my dad used to say that, uh, you know, Massachusetts, like, you know, politics is essentially just another sport here. Um, you know, so like we just, I mean, that's kind of both the way it's viewed and the way it's played. Um, so, I mean, we, which, you know, we end up with, like, interesting corruption scandals, like, of course, most infamously, like, Whitey and his brother Billy, uh, you know, like, you know, were one of the after effects of Billy Bulger's uh, alleged con- corruption was the fact that uh, the school that I went to, UMass Boston, which sits out in the harbor, is uh, gradually falling down and has being have to be rebuilt because the contracts were given away to vaguely shady contractors, <laughs> and they built it on reclaimed land, and so-, so the whole place is gradually falling into the harbor. Uh, so they actually, about halfway through me going to undergrad, they said that you could no longer park in the parking garage because the added weight of the cars in the parking garage was causing the buildings to collapse because they were actually oh my God. they were underneath the rest of the campus. So it was like you know, the parking good. garage and then the rest of it. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a... It's a it's a fun time. We have fun <laughs> here. Uh, I mean, you know, you gotta have fun before you slide into the series. yeah. I mean, like I actually have uh, I, I have an award winning tattoo technically on uh, the back of one of my arms, uh, because I went to the Boston Tattoo Convention and I got a portrait tattoo of James Michael Curley, uh, tattooed on my arm, and he was a, um, speaking of the Bostones, he's the actual character behind the song The Rascal King. He was the mayor of Boston and also governor of Massachusetts for a while during the 30s and 40s and into the 50s and is known for being um, a populist and a troll in like a great way a lot of the time. So, like, for instance, uh, show, you know, extremely Irish Catholic, very proud of being Irish Catholic Uh, when he was first coming up. And what I have the tattoo of is he um, I think he was like a. Alderman or something at the time and he put on a disguise and went to go take a civil service exam for one of his constituents because the guy couldn't read or write and they implemented civil service exams at the time and he wanted to get the guy the job so he got found out and he got prosecuted for it uh, because you know it was an, you know the, the wasp uh, attorney at the you know district attorney at the time you know said it was an example of the corruption that the Irish were bringing to the city so he got put in jail for it and he ran for re-election from jail under the slogan, I did it for a friend. Hell yeah! And one re- damn that yeah. fucking rules. <laughs> and one re-election. Um, and that's fairly f- fairly representative of the way the Massachusetts politics. The other the other famous story of Curly, what he did was he uh he showed up, I believe, it was commencement at Harvard, wearing like a tri-corner hat and breeches and like the whole fucking like colonial ensemble, and then pointed out to all the Yankee guests in attendance. That he was the only one who was technically by, like the rules of the university, attired as he should be for commencement, and not to the rest of them. So he just like <laughs> oh did it for a <laughs> troll. God. The man just was a, a pedant. The man was a, what a cool. The dude. man was a poster before his yeah, time. I'm finally, yeah, you right, know, got I mean, to your poster. Uh, yeah. You gotta respect
3: the hell out yeah. of that. Awesome. you know, I mean? I mean, he, he
2: committed good. to a bit, and I you know I think if there's anything <laughs> that we can all appreciate, it's commitment <laughs> to a bit. Um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so shit.
1: So you have a tattoo like that. of that guy? Yeah, yeah.
2: I have a I have a tattoo of him on the back of my right arm, and on the back of my left arm, I have uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, oh god, this is the sign that like my day is too long or I've had too much to drink. Um, the the guy who got pressed to death during the Salem witch trials. Fuck.
3: Oh yeah, I'm not gonna know that one, but I know who you're
2: talking about. I think. Yeah, wait one second. Oh, I have man. to look it up because it, his name escapes me, and this is like wicked embarrassing. But I mean, here it is. <laughs> uh.
1: It is. It is. A, it is a seldom. It is a seldom discussed, but not insignificant uh, pathway in life, which is the like aging punk to tattoo convention pipeline. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's also just yeah. like I actually didn't start getting tattooed at all until I was 24.
1: Like you um, can in the military, right?
2: No, you can. And I also wasn't in at that point. I didn't I didn't enlist in the Coast Guard until I was uh was it would have been it was two thousand eleven. So yeah, I was twenty four. Um oh. Um Giles Corey. Uh ah. a, so I I have he's tattooed on my other arm along with uh the the banner that says more weight. Uh both done by a great artist out in Seattle who if anyone ever if uh if you felt inspired by the first episode of this podcast and decided to go to Seattle, uh, look up Sarah Purr. Uh, she's a great tattoo artist, and I highly recommend her. Uh, she's done three of my tattoos. She's real good. But um, there you
3: I go. Miss traveling for tattoos might I was be... getting
1: tattoos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually the last. Uh, that
3: might be. That was sure. that might be the perfect place to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, because I think we're at. Two hours and 13 minutes on my recording. (laughs) And now we're just just bullshitting. (laughs) We are a little bit just bullshitting, but I think wrapping it up with the story of getting the troll mayor of Boston tattooed on the back of your arm is probably the perfect place to cap that off, honestly.
2: Yeah, well, and then uh, as a result of that, I won the award for the best Boston tattoo at the Boston Tattoo Convention uh, against a bunch of dudes with uh, bad Pats tattoos. And as a result, won a cooler full of... Jägermeister merch, which is funny because that's something I haven't drank since I had a real bad time uh, when I was 18. uh So you know, <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> we
3: all gotta have we all gotta have one liquor we write off. You know, that's important. But Shucks, thank you so much yeah, for coming on so this much. podcast. Thank we really appreciate this. it. This was awesome. Yeah. This was
1: fun. No. We can also just keep hanging out. I'm fucking
3: drinking. She comes <laughs> from Boston. Works at the jewelry store Down in the harbor Where the fairies come ashore She never really knew How good it would feel To finally find herself In a place so warm and real She wears a red socks cap to hide her baby dress, the girl she was in New England is different now and then. In all the local bars, she flirts and tells the boys while they're talking. She from Boston. come